Holy crap, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, you guys, it has been way too long since we've done a show. I'm so sorry. Uh, That's totally on me. You guys know I I started a new job recently. I've been traveling, quite frankly, the world. I've been up to Canada, been all over the place to Texas, and now I'm back here in the great state of Utah. So, so sorry, guys, that it's taken me so long to get back on the show, but we're here. We made it. (laughs) Anyway, for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, uh, my name is James the Patriot. I'm your host. I have uh, one of my co-hosts with me, Justice. Say hello, Justice. Hey, everyone. Nice to see you all. Uh, Erica will be joining us soon. Um, She was trying to log on and said that (laughs) she makes the funny joke. She's like, oh, my gosh, my computer's doing an update. (laughs) So she'll get to us as soon as she can. But um, anyway, uh, C to AZ. Hello, everybody. Uh, Diesel, I see you there. Diesel for We the People. Parker, Eric Hansen, JLV. Thank you guys for, for jumping on and, and commenting. Uh, Texas was nice. It was, uh, you know, 60, 70 degrees. It wasn't too terribly cold. Um, I was in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. was doing some training there. Um, but I'm glad to be home. Um, obviously... You guys know this is the uh, holiday season. We're in full swing now. All right, we've got Thanksgiving behind us. We've got Christmas in front of us. Um, December is one of those crazy months in my household. Um, I think I've told you guys this before, but if I haven't, I'm telling you now. Uh, four of my five kids were born in December. Yeah, we planned that well. <laughs> <laughs> but so what's funny, though, is only one of the four kids was actually due in December. The other three just came in December. So, so both my daughters, uh, we just celebrated yesterday. My second oldest daughter, um, she turned the big one, four, 14. Oh, good age. I know. Um, and then my oldest daughter, her birthday is at the end of the month. She will be 17. It's disgusting. I can't believe I have a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my youngest are my twins. They will be turning eight on the 22nd. So it's that year. It's great to be eight, as they say, right? So it's a great range of ages, James. It is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Really, really is. So, but anyway, so Justice, give us an update. What's new with you and your world? How's the family? How's the husband? The the daughter? What's going on? Oh, everything's great. Um, as you know, you're probably not as snowed in as I am, but uh, no. we're no. we're buried in snow this morning when I woke up, and it's still snowing hard. We're at seven thousand feet in the mountains, so. Yes. Um, we tend to get buried frequently. Um, everyone's <laughs> doing more well. so than others. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, I mean, yeah. we had a heck of a year last year. <clears throat> I think I told you, which will be, we might talk about this in a future episode because we're actually suing our insurance company. Uh, oh. they, they didn't, they broke their contract. We got a mediator numerous ways. Um, Good. And have two lawyers that are pro bono that uh go after these guys because contract law is contract law so there's no way to wiggle pretty out of simple. it yeah pretty simple um, yeah so we might talk about that that might be interesting for some folks uh when we yeah get- i think so uh, especially if here, here's what i would say is is don't ever let an insurance company push you around don't well they just went null and void they wouldn't answer us they wouldn't respond to us they just yeah. out. so yeah because they're they're trying to hide see this is Again, my disdain for for the bar association is right up there. Uh, insurance companies right underneath them. Yeah. Just because you know, I I carried an insurance license for a while. I didn't work in that type of insurance, but I did in in another. And I saw time and again where legitimate claims that per the terms of the co- policy should have been paid, where they were denied for just no other reason than just to deny the claims. And basically, it's these companies are like, you know what, um. We're going to deny it. And it's kind of like what Brent Johnson says, but what are you going to do about it? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And one of the women we met um, that's helping us, she's actually writing a book on how the insurance companies, for lack of a better term, dupe uh, their customers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought she might be good to have on the show. She said she'd be willing to. So I said I'd talk to you about it. But um, 
But anyway, so we're that won't happen again until the spring. So we had to pay to get our roof tarped and all kinds of crazy stuff. I still have a half a carpet in my bedroom with the other half. Oh my gosh, that's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, so it's so it's so bad. Um, they brought a structural engineer here, and the structural mm -hmm. engineer came with the insurance company and said our leak came from the bathtub. Wow. Even the guy that represented the insurance company said, no, it didn't come from the bathtub. It's already been mitigated. Uh, like, I was like, how corrupt <laughs> can this guy be? Um, I started laughing. But anyway, oh. so there's that debacle. Um, I think I told you my daughter got a horse. We've been spending yes. with horses. Yes. And she wants to teach her how to pull a sleigh. So that's our newest thing. Oh, awesome. So where are you, uh, where are you boarding the horse? Do you have room at your property? Um, there's a place in Wanship for those of you in Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She's got a great horseback riding outfit. It's called Wind in Your Hair Riding. Um, cool. I also do her website. So cool. my, te my technical side. Yes. Uh, Wind in Your Hair Riding. And she takes amazing uh, horseback riding trails out in the thousand acres in the hills in Utah. And wow. um, we're boarding her there. So that's where she awesome. was when we found her and she came into our lives. So Awesome. Yeah, so that's where that's we're fantastic. Yeah. That's and great. And she's sixteen, so she's at that age too, or yeah, like your seventeen-year-old. They're branching into their yep. They're kind of finding their wings of what they want to do, and yeah, yeah. My my seventeen, soon to be seventeen-year-old. Um, she. Th this is kind of a rough time of the year for us, just right now. Not not in general, but um, she uh, she was playing high school basketball last year, and boy, we were busy with that. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think I told you guys my my other hobby when I'm not doing this. <laughs> oh, my other my other hobby is I I like to officiate basketball and a basketball the referee, referee. Right, right? Yeah. So, um, so I I get pretty busy with those during this time of the year. But my daughter last year was playing for the local high school team, and so it got even crazier. Well, this year she has decided um, not to play, um, and we were we were disheartened by that. There's a number of reasons for that, and I won't go into those here, but. Um, she's looking, uh, to take the year off and then hopefully, uh, go back next year, her senior year at, um, they're building a brand new high school out here by us that, uh, we will be in the, in the, uh, boundaries for. So, so that's, that's where we are. And that's, that's been the update that we've got. So, awesome. Um, well, that's a fun change. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Oh, Eric. Eric Hansen says he's he's refing soccer. I used to do that too. I was a soccer referee for about seven or eight years. Um, I made it up to if you're refing soccer, Eric, you'll know what this means. I made it up to a regional referee status uh, within the United States Soccer Federation. And oh, then, nice. Uh, this year, I decided to retire from it because, well, a number of things. So it's not <laughs> like I'm it's not like I'm not busy doing things. <laughs> so anyway. That's awesome to hear, Eric. Keep up with it. Um, refing soccer was one of my favorite things ever. Um, just because, boy, it sure, uh, you know, it sure kept us busy. Whoa, look who's here, Erica. Hey. How oh, the heck I'm are just you? having one of those Jesus take the wheel sorts of days, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that was so funny. Uh, like I, I told everybody in the show that, that you, you tried to get on and your computer was doing some update and. Oh, and you're not just, feeling very good either. You're saying I don't understand that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, some sort of winter detox going on sinus infection, sort of blowing my nose oh. and you know, all that stuff. But yeah. Yep. It, it is that time of the year. This is the time of year when I just roll back the vitamin C, the <laughs> vitamin D, the stuff that we don't get the vitamin E, you know, that you normally get from the sun during the summertime that you don't get in the wintertime. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, if anyone knows how to heal it, it's Erica. I've been it constantly. Yeah, I don't know. There's just, I have a feeling there's some sort of <clears throat> extra things going on, like frequency related. That no, no, that doesn't happen. No, that, that's all. That's a wipes tale. That doesn't happen. Tears and tears. I know. <laughs> uh, thank you, JLV. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I love our viewers. Thank you so much. Our our uh, our ten or fifteen viewers that watch our shows. <laughh> yeah. Well, we love them. They're smart ten fifteen people. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just teasing. My wife always makes fun of me. I was like, Yeah, I'm doing a broadcast. She's like, Why? So your dozens of viewers can watch? I was like, Yes. 
So this is the, the uh, thing. It's just that, you know what? There are dozens of quality viewers and they're not robots. Yes. And, um, yes. you know, how do you eat an elephant, James? One bite at a time. So, And we love One everybody. So, Yeah. Speaking of elephants, yes, why don't you ever see elephants hiding in trees? I don't know. Because they're really good at it. <laughs> they're really good at hiding in trees, so you don't see them. <laughs> I don't get it, James. That's a uh, you don't get it. Dump, dump. But, uh, but, but why don't you see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's one of my bad dad jokes. Come on, people. Throw okay, me a ball I'm, lost. I'm lost on that one. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. I got Let's a better go. one, so we can clean that one up. Okay. You need a better one than that. Okay. What did the janitor say when he came out of the closet? Supplies. <laughs> Okay. A little better. It made more sense. I have better. a better one, and I have rights to say it. Why did the blonde stare at the orange juice container? Oh, there you go. Because it said concentrate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, Parker, that right. was the worst dad joke, I have to say. Yes, yeah. yes. You know what, Parker Williams? Keep your comments to yourself. That's all. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Anyway, All right. let's get let's to get the meat and potatoes. This is this is serious business, guys. This is a serious show. People take this legitimately. We need to get back to the back to the basics. No, property rights, property rights, and how we keep them. Um, Erica, yes, sir. What are property rights? Um, an unalienable right to possess and acquire, okay, and, and defend. Okay. What, 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 let's start with something simple. What is property? Anything that exclusively belongs to you. Okay. And, and how, how does one acquire possession of a property? A myriad of ways. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if we look over the throughout the history of the world, I'm not going to say the history of our nation. Let's just say the history of the world. What has been the the norm for acquiring property? How how has it been done? If if you guys had to put like just one generalized yeah, this is typically how property is acquired in the history of our world. I, th I mean, I it's a societal courtesy that you're recognizing somebody's claim on something. And okay. it, it had gotten taken to um, more of a more in the lawful aspect with paperwork because others violate your rights and say, well, just because you claim it, you can't have it. Right. So there's that gray mm -hmm. area where it went to a, a common societal courtesy. I'm going to recognize that as you stake the claim first. Mm -hmm. um, to thievery getting involved, and now it has to be with paperwork involved. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think if you had to, to sum it up into one generalized way of how property was acquired, it was either acquired by purchasing or by um, just the mere taking, right? Okay. So, so if you look at in the, the history of the world. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Texas for some training and I had some free time one night. So I went to watch that that movie, Napoleon. Have you guys seen that movie? The new yeah. Napoleon movie? I'm a history guy, you guys know, so I like to see it. And I wanted to see how closely it was related to the history of who Napoleon was in his life. And, and it was actually done pretty well. But what was interesting about it is, you know, what was France going through at that time? Well, if we go back to the time in history when Napoleon came to power, it was shortly after the Revolutionary War here in the United States had ended. The French Revolution was going on. So if you guys remember, um, the French Revolution was um, instituted by a guy named Robespierre, who um, wanted to overthrow the monarchy. Monar monarchy, geez, I can't even talk. Wanted to overthrow the monarchy in favor of a republic similar to what the United States did, but they went about the whole, they went about it all wrong. They ended up, they rounded up all of the uh, nobles. They threw them in jail. There were a number of them that uh, were beheaded on the uh, guillotine. Guys, yeah, it's disgusting. So what's, I mean, if you want to talk about poetic justice, the, the, 
the the end the, the ultimate end demise. So the guy who started it all, Robes Pierre, he ended up being beheaded on the guillotine <laughs> before it all came before it was all done. But ultimately, what it did is it is it set up the situation for Napoleon to step in and be that national hero that people were looking for. And he just went out conquering and he just conquered all of these, these um, lands. They, they brought in new people. So that was, that was the traditional sense of how property was acquired. When you go back to this, the, the start of our, of our nation, when you had, you know, the, the westward expansion, the whole manifest destiny thing, right? You guys hear about that Erica manifest destiny. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, no, we're just going to go out and conquer it. Yeah. There were people living here. There were the native Americans who lived here before. So did they have claim to the land? Sure, they had claim to the land, but this is this is what what it was then. They conquered, and as a result of conquering, they now took all of the property that involved that, that, that were owned by the people they conquered. That that was just human history. I'm not saying today, but human history. So what is unique about our nation and the founding of our nation and the founding documents that that codify these these rights to be able to acquire, possess, and protect property. What is so unique about that, Erica? Well, it assumes that we're all going to be civil with one another and and do it in a way that um, can be tracked and honored. And yeah, I don't know. No, no, you're 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 right. I mean, it's what 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 was unique. When you go back to that time in the history, so what what was the most common form of government at that time in the world? You had Great Britain, you had France that were the big players. You also had Russia. Monarchies, were, yeah, monarchies, yeah. So you had the king and queen of England, you had the king and queen of France, and you had the czars of Russia, which were basically like the king of Russia. So those were the powerhouse nations. You also had Spain, but they had a king and queen. So a monarchy was the most common form of government back in that time. And who could own land under the monarchy system? The nobles? I don't know. Nobles. Correct. Only nobles could own land. So what's interesting, though, is when you go back and you look at the Magna Carta, which was was take which took place way back in, in the year 1250, some of the basic rights that those people wanted from the monarchy was the right to be able to acquire, possess, and protect property. So, so what I want everybody to know and understand is that your right to acquire, possess, and protect property predates the Constitution, predates the founding of our nation. It, it goes back more than a thousand years, even more so than that. It well, was such a fundamental right, a natural right, one that comes from God. Uh, yeah. It's biblical. That, exactly. That I mean, because again, if you look at if you look at situations in the Bible, I mean, what what did uh, what did God tell the Israelites to do? Go conquer them and take the land. This mm -hmm. is your land. Mm -hmm. Possess the land. Exactly. So, this is what's so important about property rights. So, what have we all been led to believe in today's day and age with property? So, let me let me give you an example. We go out and we buy a house. You know, you got a newlywed couple and they are getting ready to start a family or whatever the case may be. So they decide to buy a house. What have they been led to believe is required of them to not only buy the property, but also to keep the property? Title. Title. What else? Money. What are they? Well, obviously money. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying what 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 are they told that they must do every single year after well, they taxes, purchase that property? property. Taxes. There you go. They're told that they are that they must pay property taxes. Okay. Yes. C to A Z's got it. Pay taxes. Okay. Yeah. What Which else? Means you technically don't own it. What other? Well, again, what other property are we taxed on every year? What other property does the state ask us to pay taxes on every year? Your, your money. Work, your money, your labor. We've talked about this in other episodes. Um, your cars. They ask you to register your car every year and you have to pay a fee to do that, right? Okay. There's, there's a number of different things that we're asked to pay a fee on. 
So at the end of the day, what I want you guys all to know and understand is this is all property and it falls under that umbrella. I'm not just talking about like the property, um, like your homes or the land. I'm talking about all property. Your labor is your property. You have a right. Yeah, say what? Everything. Your labor is, a, is your property and you have a right to keep the proceeds from that property. So this, this is the, this is the big lie. I mean, you hear, you hear that term that we've been, we've been duped. This is the big lie that we've been duped. So the last few days, um, again, you, you guys know, and I hope you all understand. I bring individuals onto the show that I don't necessarily agree with a hundred percent, but I want you guys to form your own opinion, please. For the love of all that is holy and good, do not take what I say as gospel truth, because I'll tell you right now, it's not. You ask my wife, nothing I say is gospel truth. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But <clears throat> please do your own research. Yes. So mm -hmm. I've had Kirk Pendergrass on, and I love Kirk to death. There's a number of things that I don't particularly agree with that Kirk does, but there's a lot of things that I do agree with. I've had Brent Johnson on. You know, Eric is a big proponent of Brent and his systems. There's a lot of things that I agree with Brent on. There's a number of other things that I don't agree with Brent on because that's my personal opinion. And we are all grown freaking adults. It's okay to agree to disagree. <laughs> Which is okay? the foundation of America. Exactly. The foundation of our nation was built on debates. It's okay to agree to disagree. Now, with that being said, I will fight to the death to protect not only my rights, but also your right to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. That is why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I want you guys to know and understand is that you all have a right to be left alone. You have a right to your property. You have a right to just live your life as you see fit. And nobody can tell you what to do so long as your actions do not violate anybody else's rights or put anyone in imminent harm or danger. Can we all agree on that? Is that something we can agree on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Erica, you're shaking your head yes. That's natural. Remember Live in honor and do no harm. Those well, are there the, you go. Those are my there you, there you go. Too. There you go. All right. So that brings me to um, that brings me to the next situation. So I've got a friend of mine that I'm helping right now. I've mentioned his situation before, but where he is is he's got a a municipality that is attempting to extort money from him, fees, because he wants to put a carport garage on his house. Okay, so let me ask you, Erica. If you were my neighbor and I wanted to put a carport garage on my house and that garage came nowhere close to coming over the property line, um, that garage didn't do any imminent harm or danger to you, would you care if I did that to my own house? No. Why not? <clears throat> well, maybe if it was like really poorly constructed and it looked <laughs> like garbage and it I like... I could tell you right now, if I'm building it, it would be poorly constructed. <laughs> so I would, I would hire that done. <laughs> yeah. Like if it reduces the property value of your own home, because your neighbor's garage is so nasty and it caused damage to the sale of your home or something like that. But otherwise, no. Yeah. Let's just set all of that stuff aside. It's not going to diminish your property value. It's not going to be poorly constructed. Matter of fact, he hired a, a contractor to do it. So there's a licensed bonded contractor licensed with the state. So you, you have that side of it. So what you had is you had a code inspector. We've all had, we've all had run-ins with code inspectors before. Maybe, maybe we haven't, but um, you had a code inspector that was driving by and just happened to see this and goes, wait a minute. They didn't apply for a fee. <sighs> they didn't apply for a building permit to do this. They must be get approval to do this before they can do it. So they went back and forth, excuse me. They went back and forth. And at the end of the day, my buddy rightfully so, cause he, he sought some, some advice from our group on our telegram chat group. And we said, send them a letter and tell them they've got no authority to do anything. So he tried to, he tried to uh, remedy this administratively. You guys know, anytime you do anything outside of the courts, it's an administrative remedy or attempting to, uh, accomplish an administrative remedy that to no avail. 
so they ended up, um, the municipality ended up suing him. Okay. What's funny, <clears throat> I shouldn't say it's funny, but what's interesting is when you look at the complaint from the municipality, their actions or their cause of action are all statutory causes of action. You guys know what a statutory cause of action is? Erica, Justice, you guys know? Yeah, no. listed in the code of the of the municipality. The so yeah, so who who is it that makes statutes? The town, right? The legislative sometimes, branch. Yeah, in this case, sometimes yes, legislative branch. Uh, other men, okay, or, or women, men and women, I should say. Uh, yes, the legislature. The legislature passes statutes. Now, what must every statute be in compliance with in order for it to be a valid statute? The supreme law of the land. Which is? The Constitution. Of the there United you States go. Of America. Okay, and it's not only the, the Constitution of the United States of America, it's also your state's constitution. They must be in compliance with both. So, looking at this complaint, they are coming after him for violations of one, two, three Utah statutes and one, two, three municipal code statutes or ordinances okay where's the problem here guys well, so let me let me tell you the plaintiff is the municipal <clears throat> is the municipality the defendant is my buddy and his wife so there's they're not no, getting no affidavit of injury of harm to another to someone who's applying for um claims or damages so, so what you have, you have a fictitious, well, I shouldn't say fictitious because they're actually legitimate, but you have a well, legal entity, a municipality, suing two human beings. Well, they're legitimate right? in the construct they created. There you go. But as far as our property rights go under God, they're not legitimate. They are fictitious. They created their own entity to get money from us. And Correct. Keep us in. Correct. The line they want to keep us in. Exactly. So that's what we um, <clears throat> that's what we stated here. What's interesting is this: the stupid lawyer that wrote up this complaint. You can tell a lawyer wrote up the complaint because, well, lawyers live, breathe, and die in statutory law. That's all they know. You start talking constitutional law to them, they're going to look at you like like deer in the headlights. Like, yep. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Yeah. What's interesting here is is this uh, in this complaint the uh, lawyer says under the um, so the, the the main cause of action is called the Land Use Development Management Act, okay, LUDMA for short, L U D M A. Land so it says use under management. land use and uh, land use development and, and management, management act. Yes. It says here, under Ludma, municipalities have broad authority and power to provide for and promote health, safety, and welfare. Okay, I, I don't have any disagreement with that, but you don't have broad authority and power to infringe on anyone's rights if you cannot prove that there's an imminent danger to the public's health, safety, or welfare. Okay, so anyway... I'm not going to bore you with all the details of this complaint because it's really stupid. But at the end of the day, what you have is you have a legal entity that is a creature of the state and a creature of statute. So something that was created by men suing another man and woman who are creatures of who? God. 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 Not, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I really wish I had that song from Sesame Street right now that says one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> one of these things is not quite the same. Well, they've cornered that for Joe Biden while he's in office. <laughs> you can't use it until he's gone. Oh, my goodness. It's it's oh, geez. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> side. Um, so here's the problem, you guys. You have a fictitious legal entity trying to trample on the rights of its citizens 
saying that they can tell the citizens what to do. This is this would be like um this okay. This would be like us as human beings trying to tell God how to how to do things. So um, they're they're literally criminals. Yes. Because That's, they're breaking the law, the supreme law of the land. They are criminals. Yep. And we are yep. asking these same criminals to interpret the law to our benefit so that we can have a just outcome. Oh, I love where you're going with this, Erica, because it leads right into what I'm going to say. Exactly. I mean, what 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 did Brent Johnson say? Why do these people do what they do? Because they're criminals. And what yes, happens when you tell them they're breaking the law? They're like, well, what are you going to do about it? They right? have the mafia and the men in arms to come exactly. against them. Right? Exactly. So, so here's what we did. We filed a motion to dismiss because I wanted to know what kind of a judge we were dealing with. I wanted to know, are we dealing with an honest man? One who can actually read and interpret the statutes the way that the, the legislature created them? Or are we dealing with somebody who's part of the problem? Well, guess what? Which which what do you guys think it is? Part of the problem. Of the problem. There you go. Part um, of the problem. Yep, we're dealing with someone who's part of the problem. So he denied the motion to dismiss and ordered that the defendants are required to file an answer. So we haven't gone over this before. So I'm going to go over this with everybody now. So we can talk about what does that look like? How do you file an answer uh, when you are in court, whether it's in um, federal court or state court, it doesn't matter. So let me open up the, let's see this one. Let me share my screen. Boom. Okay. Here we go. So <clears throat> for those of you who are members of the jurisdictionary course, under um, Doc Graves' lesson on um, pleadings, there's one that says an answer and affirmative defenses. You don't ever just want to answer a complaint and just say denied, admitted, denied, not enough information, stuff like that. Because it doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an answer, but it, it doesn't disprove or prove your case or disprove or prove the plaintiff or whoever it is that's suing you. Okay. So we're coming at this from, you know, you're a defendant. The court has asked you to file an answer. And this is how we do that. So you guys can see here, um, every numbered answer. So again, for those of you who are watching, I've got up on my screen, uh, the, uh, the answer and affirmative defenses. Listening. Um, uh, listening. Did I say watching? I meant mm -hmm. listening. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, because I know we do get quite a few people who are listening, um, I've got on my screen um, this uh, answer and affirmative, affirmative defenses. And what you do is you list every single paragraph in the complaint has a number next to it. So you're going to have a corresponding number in your answer. Well, where and does this come from, James? So they know what you're talking this, about. This, again, this is this is in Doc Graves course, but this okay. is this is also what the court is expecting. Okay, okay. So let's say, for example, I file a complaint and my complaint has 15 numbered paragraphs. The defendant is required to file an answer that has 15 numbered paragraphs of uh, what you're accusing me of in your paragraph is either admitted, denied, or not enough information. So you'll notice on what I've got here is paragraph number one is denied, paragraph number two, not enough information to admit or deny, and defendants demand strict proof. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few more where we have admitted, which is basically like, you know, people own this property. Well, that's admitted. Right. Doesn't help right. your case any admitted, admitted, uh, denied, denied and defendants demand strict proof, not enough information to admit or deny. So again, this on its own doesn't do anything. All, all this does is um, gives an answer to the court because what would typically or I shouldn't say what typically what what happens next after an answer is filed is the parties move into the discovery phase. So you guys remember the famous thing that Dr. Graves says is that discovery is where cases go to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so this is happens, your actual answers to the case, not a sample. Okay. This is the actual answer. This is not a sample. This is, I'm going to send this to him and he's going to file this in, in, okay. um, in court. Okay. So they had one, I think they had four causes of action. So we put not enough information to deny or admit. We demand strict proof, all of these things. Now, Remember how I said the best way, what's the best, uh, what's the, the best defense? You guys, have you ever heard this, this offense. phrase? A good offense, right? The best defense is a good offense. All right. So we're going on offense. Okay. 
So here's where we go on offense. Um, a, a, a affirmative defenses. So from Dr. Gray's course and just in law in general, an affirmative defense is very similar to if I was to file a complaint, I have to have certain elements that support that complaint. And if it's proven, it disproves the other side's case. Okay. I'm going to go through this because I think this is really important. Um, and if Shannon is listening, thank you for sending over your information because I used a lot of what she did in hers, um, Shannon. So thank you. But here's where we lay it out for the court and also for the moving party, the plaintiff, that you don't have a case. And here's why. So the first affirmative defense is impossibility of law. Now, if you look in Dr. Graves' course, impossibility is an affirmative defense, but it has to be an absolute impossibility. So, for example, you can't use impossibility as an affirmative defense saying um, it's impossible for me to climb Mount Everest. Well, that might be impossible for you, but it's not impossible for other human beings who have done it. So it has to be an absolute impossibility. So in this case, impossibility of law, defendants are not creatures of the state. So let me ask you two, is there any way that um, this, and I don't have a problem sharing, Magna Metro Township, is this, you know, you know where this is, Justice. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that Magna can prove that defendants are creatures of the, sta no, of the state? Not a, nope. So impossibility of law applies. Okay. So here's what we said. And I'm again, I'm going to read this because I know there's a lot of people who are listening. Um, and I want you guys to get this. Again, if you're listening to us on our podcast platforms and you want to see any of this stuff, jump over to uh, YouTube or Rumble or any of our other video sharing platforms to go through this. I also share everything I do in our Telegram group. So it's there for you. Take it, use it, plagiarize it. That's why it's there. Yeah. And our, our channel on uh, Twitter is... Um, or X, formerly Twitter. Yeah, I hate calling it <laughs> X, but they, I they, know. we very rarely do any interaction, or I do, um, on that. So pretty much when you go there, it's really just a file of these podcasts. It's yeah. another easy way to find them. Oh, perfect. Okay, so I'm going to read this, and then uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about what the judge did um, when we filed our motion to dismiss. So... Magna Metro Township is a creature of the state and of statute. It is a principle universally, universally declared and admitted that municipal corporations are a creature of the state and of, and of statutes. Such statutes only apply to creatures of the state or creatures of statutes. That's a little confusing, but what I'm trying to say here is because they were created by statutes, they cannot enforce statutes on anything that was not created by statutes. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Such creatures of statutory law possess only such powers that are expressly granted to it as such enumerated powers that only apply to other creatures of the state and creatures of statute. The Magna Metro Township Municipal Corporation only possesses reserved powers as recognized by the Utah Constitution, Article 8, Section 5. Uh, excuse me, Article 11, Section 11. 5. Yeah, excuse okay. me, Article 11, Section 5, and is only authorized to pass ordinances, rules, and regulations so long as those ordinances, rules, and regulations are not repugnant to law. Guess where that came from? Utah Code Annotated 10-8-84. So the Utah legislature wanted to make sure that these people knew, you guys can pass ordinances, regulations, and law, and, and or, or, ordinances, rules, and regulations, but they cannot be repugnant to the supreme law of the land. Which it is. Right? In their yes. effort. Yes. So, JLV, to answer your question, where may one see this case? Follow along on our, on our Telegram channel. So, that's going to be the best thing to do. Okay? So, <clears throat> moving on to the next one. Plaintiffs bring this action. Uh, yeah, actually, I should say plaintiff. But anyway, plaintiffs bring this action pursuant to, that's the code I said, LUDMA, and some other statutes. All of these statutes deal exclusively with creatures of the state and statute. Since these statutes would infringe on the rights of the people, they can only be applied to creatures of the state and statute. Additionally, the Utah legislature made its intent very clear 
that these statutes were to apply only to creatures of the state and statute in Utah code annotated. And here's, here's those references. This is a, right along the lines of their claim about taxpayers, isn't it, James? Exactly. Exactly. See, because when you read the statute, it says a person may not do this, a person may not do that. So if you take the normal everyday usage of that, people might misconstrue that to mean, well, that, well I'm a person. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing here. Right. But when you when you when you look into the definitions of things, why would the legislature put a de definition of what a person is that clearly states it's a legal entity if the statute was to apply to every single man, woman and child? Because it can't. It violates the supreme law of the land. That's why. Well, it's been craftily put into our language so that it's just said tongue in cheek in your sentences without exactly. thought of what it really means. Exactly. So <clears throat> the next part, as a matter of law, defendants are not creatures of the state, nor are they creatures of statutes. They were created by God and endowed with certain unalienable rights, such as the right to acquire, possess, and protect property. As such, defendants are not a creature of the Magna Metro Township, nor are they subject to ordinances, rules, or regulations that are in direct contradiction to and repugnant to the supreme law of the land, the United States Constitution, and the Utah Constitution. Furthermore, defendants are not expressly granted powers and rights by the Utah State Legislature. Defendants have no such limitations of the legal entities and persons doing business as Magnet Metro Township, this is the judge, mm -hmm. this is the court. Defendants possess inherent, substantive, and unalienable rights secured by the Utah and United States constitutions. And here's where those references are. Okay. Again, they, they, they can't rebut this because it's unrebuttable. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all part of the impossibility of law defense. Defendants refuse to waive their constitutionally secured rights or cede jurisdiction to the court when it is abundantly clear from the record that it does not exist. This action is merely an attempt by Magna Metro Township, the court judge, the stupid attorney, and the stupid attorney's law firm to threaten, coerce, and force the defendants to participate in a simulated legal process whose only intent is to intimidate, harass, extort, and steal money from the defendants. And that's the absolute truth. That's all they're trying to do here. Yes. They just want they just want the defendants to pay them money mm -hmm. so the defendants can exercise their property rights. Does that make sense to anybody? Erica, does that make sense to you? Not even a little bit. Nope. Not even close. Okay. Here's another impossibility of law. Municipal ordinances are not laws of Utah. Again, has to be an impossible, like there's no way or even a sliver of hope that a municipality can pass an ordinance and it, that it becomes law of Utah. So how do laws get passed in Utah or any state for that matter? Legislation. Legislator. Okay. So it is obvious that a municipality that, excuse me, that a municipal and or city ordinance is not law and that the people of the state are bound to obey. If that ordinance, okay, it is obvious that a municipal and or city ordinance is not law that the people of the state are bound to obey if that ordinance infringes on any constitutionally protected rights, an ordinance is defined to be a rule or regulation adopted by a municipal corporation. The term law as defined by the elementary writers emanates from sovereignty and is not from its creatures. The legislative power of the state is vested in the state legislature and their enactments are the only instruments that can in any proper sense be called laws. Okay. A municipality is a creature of the state and possesses only such powers of government as expressly granted to it and as are necessary to carry the same into effect. Among the corporate powers granted by the Utah legislature to townships and, munis and municipalities is that the municipal legislative body may pass all ordinances and rules and make regulations. Here's I have this in italics for a reason. Not repugnant to law necessary for carrying into effect or discharging all powers and duties conferred by this chapter and as are necessary and proper to provide for the safety safety and preserve the health and promote the prosperity okay again the key term here is not repugnant to law the municipality so cannot do anything they can't impose a statute passed by the legislature they cannot pass an ordinance that would violate 
the supreme law of the land. Do you ask them to provide you of the laws that they are claiming that statutes they, are attached to? They did. Yeah, they did that in the complaint. Okay. So, yeah, they, they don't apply to the men and women. So here's what's funny. <clears throat> so when my, my buddy, he talked to a couple of attorneys, you know, because he's not, you know, he's not as well versed in this as I am or, or somebody else. And so he was like, well, maybe I'll just get an attorney to help defend me. I understand so, that. <laughs> I do. So he talked to a couple attorneys and, and he said, how is it that they can get away with this? And you want to know what the attorney said? No. Well, this isn't a, an action against yes, you. Yes, I do. Sorry. Well, yeah, you do want to know what they said. You don't yes, want to know. I, what they I, 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 I was responding as no, I don't know what they said. Sorry. Yeah. They, they said, this is not an action against you personally. This is an action against your property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody? No. No, <laughs> my property was here long before the creation of you people. Matter of fact, the property here is here long before I was even created. So it's so ridiculous this these things that they do. It's very so, ridiculous. And if it if it all go if if you look at it as far back as you can look at it, who gave the first person the rights to claim property and sell it to you to begin with? Exactly. They just claimed exactly. it for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And you're going to see here how we point all of this stuff out and how I'm backing the judge and the court into a corner. Let's see what they do. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to read as much of this as I can, cause I'm getting a little limited on time, but, um, as the Supreme court of the United States has noted, counties, cities, and towns are municipal corporations created by the authority of the legislature. And they derive all their powers from the source of their creation except where the constitution of the state otherwise provides. Beyond doubt, they are, in general, made bodies politic and corporate, and are usually invested with certain subordinate legislative powers to facilitate the due administration of their own internal affairs mm -hmm. and to promote the general welfare of the municipality. They have no inherent jurisdiction to make laws or to adopt governmental regulations nor can they exercise any other powers in that regard than such as are expressly or impliedly, impliedly derived from their charters or other statutes of the state. So the Supreme Court has said, you guys can only do what you're delegated to do. Okay. Moving on, I said, as a matter of law. So anytime you see this, this phrase as a matter of law, that's, that's what we're stating is that this is an undeniable fact. Mm-hmm. As a matter of law, Magna has no ownership, interest, or rights in the defendant's or and or defendant's property. So that's how I counteract that whole, well, this isn't an action against you. It's an action against your property. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you don't have ownership, interest, or rights in me or in my property. Mm -hmm. Additionally, as a matter of law, Met uh, Magna cannot impose its ordinances, rules, or regulations upon defendants and or defendants' property as though they have the same force and effect as laws of the Utah legislature. Can I interrupt? Go ahead. So do they think that they're, they, and they claim that they do because of what we talked about in the last, or one of the last podcasts, is how you're registering your property with the county clerk and the, you know, the governing bodies is that why they're claiming it? No, they're they're misinterpreting the statutes. Okay. They're they're misinterpreting that um that they have the ability to just because of where the property is physically located. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. So I'm seeing this the same thing. I'm seeing the same thing in my property tax case. Mm -hmm. Their argument to the court is that well, well, we can tax you because you live within our boundaries. Right. No, that's that's not how this works. No. And no, who gave me. them authority? And who gave exactly. them authority? And who gave them authority? Exactly. So again, that that's that's where this comes down to by what authority? Right. You know, we the people granted our sovereign powers to the state to affect into the to to will the to promote the general welfare and the safety of the people of the state. But we didn't give the state any powers to do anything to us that would hinder or infringe on any of our rights right but see they missed the exact it. argument that we used when we when they wanted to ban chickens in our town yeah, like thing. you can't do that but you can in an hoa which is 
Um, yeah, I saw they, that there was a. They what had the comment about, about what a, what about HOAs? There is a contractual nexus there where you yeah. did sign and agree to the bylaws to to adhere to the bylaws that were set in those. But now there there is a simple thing that you guys can do. You're going to hear a whole lot of guff about this whole thing, and I and I don't particularly agree. Again, like I say, do your own research. But there's a couple of things that I do agree with. Number one is if you're being asked, number don't sign something you don't want to sign. But if you're feeling like you have no other choice, like a traffic ticket or anything like an HOA, like you want to live in this area, but they're making you sign this and you don't agree right. with the terms of that agreement. Right. Which nobody so you, reads fully. Exactly. So how do you preserve your rights and how do you preserve your, your sovereignty, really? Well, there's a simple way you can do this. You sign your name. And at the end of your name, you write UD, which stands for under duress, and then write without prejudice. So with, without prejudice to any of your rights. So there's there's no way that that can be held a, a, a firm, a lawful binding contract in a court of law if you were forced to sign it under duress. That's a great. Because again, what makes a valid contract a valid contract? Well, there's two things that have to happen. You've got to have a meeting of the minds and you have to have people who... Uh, sign the agreement both sides say the phrase again ud i'm going to put it up in the yeah it's uh u d dot it just stands for under duress mm -hmm. okay and then without prejudice okay. some people will go as far as adding in the ucc codes and this and that and and i haven't seen any evidence of, of how that applies i'm not saying it does and i'm not saying it doesn't i don't know i haven't seen the evidence of it I'm doing my own research on that. But I, what I do know and what I can tell you is anytime you sign something under duress, that does carry under the fact that, well, hey, you were forced to sign this against your will. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, <clears throat> Say What says it's a Uniform Commercial Code, which is what UCC is, 308. That's yeah, what that 1 is. 1-308. Yeah. So, but again, who created the Uniform Commercial Code? Right. Exactly. Other men. <laughs> so we have to be careful on this. But again, I, all I'm saying is reserve all of your rights, guys. Always reserve your rights. <clears throat> okay. So moving on real quick, because, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how much time I'm losing here. Yeah. Um, Eight minutes, James. Seven yeah, minutes. Yeah, I know. So it is well established that American jurisprudence has four primary sources of legal authority. Number one, constitutional law, the supreme law of the land. All law falls under the Constitution. That's both the state and the federal constitutions. So you guys know. Number two, statutory law. Laws made by the legislature which are not repugnant to the constitutions. Number three, administrative law. And number four, common law, a.k.a. case law, which reflects both constitutional and statutory law. Then I talk about the Supremacy Clause of the United States. I won't read that because you guys know it. And then I talk about the ordinances. And what they are, they're administrative rules. They have no applicability to the defendant's and or defendant's property and cannot and do not supersede the defendant's constitutionally secured rights, especially their property rights. <laughs> Bless you, Erica. <laughs> she was on mute, but she was yeah, like, I tried to, <laughs> I'm trying to keep all my snottings and sneezings <laughs> myself. Okay. Another affirmative defense is lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Okay, this is where the court does not have jurisdiction over the subject matter. Now, what creates the subject matter? We've talked about this so many different times till we're blue in the face, but it's what what is the cause of action? What what cause of action did the party bring into court? And does that cause of action apply to both of the parties equally? Because you have a right to be, again, under the 14th Amendment and, and even under the 5th Amendment for that uh, for that matter, you have a right to equal protection under the law. So the, the law that they brought as their cause of action applies to legal entities. Are the defendants in this case legal entities? No. Has there been any proof, any evidence submitted by the plaintiffs to suggest that they are? No. So does the court have the subject matter it needs to adjudicate this case and provide relief to the plaintiff? No. No, it does not. 
But guess what this numbnuts, this honorable Keith Kelly, and I have no problem telling him that, this is the judge of the case. Just so you guys know, those of you who are in Utah, this is the same judge who ruled that people of a certain gender can use whatever bathroom they want. Mm. This is the guy. He's, he's an establishment guy. This is the guy. Yeah. Yep. He made the ruling here in Utah that said, you can use whatever bathroom you want based on whatever gender you identify as. Okay. Listen, you want to identify as a horse? Go be my guest, but you're not using my bathroom and you're not stepping into my daughter's bathroom. And if I see you trying to do that, there will be problems. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, so he's the one that ruled in his motion to dismiss that the court has jurisdiction, i.e. subject matter jurisdiction, because the events complained of occurred in the judicial district and that the court could, has jurisdiction to hear all matters that hear that happen within that. Does that grant the court subject matter jurisdiction? Mm -mm. No. No. Does that make sense to anybody? No, it doesn't. But this, this numbnuts. This is such a difficult thing because these guys are blatantly committing crimes. and, and They're doing it in open court. And yeah. they're just saying, what are you going to do about it? So and yep. they they're doing it in open court and they're on the record. So there's a number of things that we're going to do about it. And this is where it's like these, these things can get pretty crazy. But mm -hmm. here's what we said. This court knew or should have known that the causes of action brought by the plaintiff in this case are applicable only to legal entities organized and created under the statutes of this state. Since the causes of action being sought by plaintiff as applied against the defendants violate the defendant's sacred constitutionally protected rights, this court has been deprived of the subject matter by the plaintiff in this case. It is incumbent upon the plaintiff, not this court, to prove that subject matter jurisdiction is bestowed upon the court. Okay, I've got a number of cases here. I won't go over these. But I want to, this is what I wanted to bring out. Under the common law authority of Boyd versus United States, this is a Supreme Court case, this court is on notice that this court is constitutionally required to guard against and protect against any encroachment of any citizen's constitutionally secured rights. Right. Additionally, constitutional rights must be interpreted in favor of the citizen. Another Supreme Court case, see Briars v. United States. If this court were to uphold this action, it would do so in direct conflict of the constitutional protections afforded the defendants in this case. If this happens, this court would be in open rebellion of the constitutions of the United States and Utah and would be subject to criminal prosecution under Title 18 U.S.C. 2383, rebellion or insurrection. Isn't there treason in there as well when you're going against yep. the citizens as a protection? Yep, as Title a 18. Yep. Uh, 2381 is the one that's just treason. So you could throw that in there too. You should put that in there. Yeah. Then I go on here. I say the legislative intent behind this enactment was to allow municipalities to govern the growth of their land within their geographical boundaries, but only pertaining to land that is owned by the municipality or land that will be developed for commercial purposes. Nothing under that amendment allows a municipality to dictate what a citizen may do with their private property. So long as it does not infringe on anyone else's rights or adversely affect health, safety, and welfare of the general public. Okay? Mm -hmm. We Good hit idea. it on the head. Yeah. Okay? This is the big thing, right? Remember where they said, um, remember how they said, well, this isn't an action against you. It's an action against your property. Mm -hmm. Well, here's how we knock that out. This court lacks in-rem jurisdiction. Do you guys know what in-rem jurisdiction is? I can't remember. It's, we juris over it. it's jurisdiction over the property. So if a court is, if someone is asking a court to intervene and take property from someone else, that court must be vested with the in rem jurisdiction to do so, mm -hmm. which means the party bringing the action must have some ownership or interest or title in that property. Right. I remember that's, we went through that with my mortgage yep. case. Yeah. Yep. They don't. No. And, and here's what I said as a matter of law. Um, Magna Metro Township, nor the state of Utah, possesses title, ownership, or interest in defendant's private property. To comply with the due process clause, all assertions of state court jurisdiction, including in-rem and quasi-in-rem actions, must be evaluated according to the minimum contact standards set forth in decisions regarding in-personam actions. 
The presence in the state of property alone will not support the state's jurisdiction where the property is unrelated to the cause of action. So I just knocked that judge's argument off the table right there. Mm -hmm. Just because of where the property is located does not give you the jurisdiction you need. Right. Show us your signature on the contract somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. In the, in the trust, on the title. Yep. Okay. There's a couple of other things I want to touch on. Again, I'm going to put this in the Telegram group after I get it to my buddy so he can file it. Um, <clears throat> so let's see right here. Fail the, the last uh, cause, excuse me, the last affirmative defenses that we go over is failure to state a cause of action estoppel. As a matter of law, Magna has failed to establish all of the required elements under the Land Use Development Management Act and subsequent causes of action that would divest to this court the power it needs in order to grant the relief that Magna seeks. As a matter of law, defendants own the title ownership over the property. As a matter of right, in accordance with the Constitution of Utah, Article 1, Section 1, and pursuant to rulings of the Utah Supreme Court. Under the common law authority of Murdoch v. Pennsylvania, this is a, another Supreme Court case, no state or a political subdivision thereof may convert a secured right or liberty into a privilege and issue a license and a fee for it. If they do, the citizen is free, whoops, I should say two, not T, is free to ignore the license and or fee and engage in the right with impunity. The right to acquire and own property and to deal with it and use it as the owner chooses, so long as the use harms nobody, is a natural right. It does not owe its origins to the constitutions. Before them it existed. It is part of the citizen's natural liberty an expression of his freedom guaranteed as invalid by every American bill of rights. Okay. So this is where we are. Um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen now. This is where he is. He needs to file this now. And so what's going to happen is they're going to move into discovery and each party is going to seek the proof, the evidence it needs to support their case. Well, it's pretty easy. They don't have the evidence. We do. We mm -hmm. gave the judge an opportunity to dismiss the case before we ever got to this point. He was being a doinker weed and decided not to. <laughs> okay, be my guest. Because what we're going to do now is in addition to this document, we're going to file a defendant's mandatory judicial notice of parameters of judicial immunity. Guess what, judge? If you choose to continue in this, in the clear absence of all jurisdiction, you do not have immunity. As a matter of fact, you're committing crimes, and we will report those crimes to the property proper authorities, and we will sue you further on after you decide to. Uh, and can't forward. you go after his bond as well? All of it. I can go after his bond. I can go after his home. I can go after his personal property. I can go after all of it. This is. I mean, again, you don't want to. You want to. You want him to back no. down and do the right thing. We don't want to. I want him to do the right thing, but is he going to do the right thing? Chances are no. No, he's not. So, yeah. anyway, um, <clears throat> you guys, I apologize. I've got to take off. I've got a doctor's appointment I have to get to, but that's what I wanted to cover today. Um, no, good question. Say what? No, he's actually halted the construction until this is resolved. He did reach out in good faith to try and resolve this. They refused. Not only that, they trespassed on his property, and he has evidence of that. Mm -hmm. So I told him to file criminal complaints, criminal reports, which he did. Um, we're Have moving up on this one here. So, oh, this yeah. Let me let time. me give you a yeah, good, good question, C to AZ. Update on my case. So I got a frivolous motion to dismiss, as you guys know. Um, I took that motion to dismiss, and I broke it down, and I amended my complaint I should say I filed a motion for leave to file my admitted complaint because I'm outside of the parameters of when I can do it without the court's leave. And I'm waiting on a ruling from the court on that. My amended complaint completely takes every single argument away from these guys, but this is how stupid these people are. They just don't get it. So my next course that I'm going to be doing is um, I'm going to be sending a copy of my complaint along with copies of criminal complaints of everybody that's involved in my complaint to the county commission where I'm at. I have all their email addresses. I'm going to email it to them and I'm going to let them know this is what's going on. Um, I have a duty and an obligation as an American citizen to report these crimes, which I'm doing right now. This is your notice that this is what's being said. Um, you would be best 
<laughs> to work out a settlement with me. So you're filing criminal complaints as we speak. Uh, I, I will be. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm heading out of town this next week, so I won't be able to do a show next week. I want to maybe see if I can get a show out before Christmas. I might have some updates. I hope. Um, but uh, that is the next step. Yes. Okay. Um, now's where we start putting the political pressure on people. You've got to put political pressure on people because um, everything it's like Randy Kelton says, everything is political. Nothing is done. That's not doesn't have a political ramification. So I'm going to start being the squeaky wheel so I can get, so I can get the grease. I'm going to send my complaint out to anybody and everybody who will listen. I'm going to talk about the criminal complaints that were filed. I'm going to send it to every media outpost I can get my hands on anything. I'm going to do what I can do. Now, again, we know the, the media is corrupt and they like to push a narrative, but I'm going to say, no, it's time for the media to do the right thing. So, so you know, you know, who has gone through this with the property as well is, uh, Reland, Ryland, not Ryland, Reland Brunson. This is how he got started. He and Loy got started in this whole thing. Yeah, we should see if uh, maybe you ought to reach out to him and see if they'll come on. I'm going to. Yeah, I'd like to that, hear. It was a whole mortgage thing or property thing uh, that yeah. started him. I'd love, he... I'd love to have, I'd love to see what they say and hear what they have to say. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, guys, I apologize. I have to take off. Um, otherwise, I'm going to be late. So thank you all so much, Erica. Justice, it's always good to see you too. You too. Thank you so much. God bless you both. Um, and everybody else, thank you for watching. I will catch you guys on the next episode, hopefully in a couple weeks. All right. Blessings, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye.